Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 136 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page. That's right. It's Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 136 of the DCAU Review. That's right. And as the dulcet sounds of the season one Static Shock theme have informed our listeners, we are back in the city of Dakota, and we are tackling a pair of Static Shock episodes, both from season one. And uh, boy, howdy, we've got two to talk about here, both focusing on Static's first dealings with some of his uh, ever-expanding rogues gallery here in the early goings of season one, with uh, a- with Aftershock, which focuses, focuses on Hot Streak, and then later we'll be talking about their playing My Song, which introduces Rubber Band Man, so quite a bit to get to today absolutely so we uh, let's not waste a lot of time here we'll jump right in uh don't forget uh yeah we did mention this last week that we'll be in dealing with static for the uh, next several weeks here for the month of december so very much looking to do that we did have an extra week last week if you didn't get a chance to check out our our longer form episode last week you can go ahead and check that out in the archives at dcaureview.com of course we were very excited to welcome in the director of that episode that we covered kevin altieri really really fun time interviewing him and getting some insight on that episode so if you have not checked that out do not miss that go back in and check that out uh, to hear some of those behind the scenes insights from the man that was responsible for kind of making that episode happen so but for this week Liam uh, as you said we have a double feature so let's jump in we're going to cover Aftershock first as you said so I know the great thing about a double feature is you have the opportunity to give two separate IMDB synopses (laughs) for these so we'll start with aftershock and then once we get into they're playing my song we'll go into that one so uh please if you don't mind kick us off with the official imdb synopsis yes and i'll just uh precursor here uh the static shock ones by uh by today's episodes at least the wordiest of all imdb official synopses (laughs) but i will i will soldier on through in my best announcer voice you're a hero and that's right braver than the troops um and starting with aftershock which was written by stan berkowitz and alan burnett directed by dan reba with music by stanley clark and Derek thornton and animation by coco uh that synopsis reads as such static learns that the person responsible for the big bang is edwin alva the city's philanthropic business man but Static's efforts to gain evidence are hampered by Hot Streak, the bully who used to harass Static. That's that's a lot. That's a mouthful right there. Um, yeah, that's not one that you would find in the TV guide listings, that's for sure. Yeah, four sentence structure too. But we'll, uh, you know, uh, IMDb <laughs> synopsis writer see me after class. But uh, we'll, we can we can jump into into plot here. 
uh, as the synopsis was suggests, we, we have a lot going on in this episode. This picks up right after the events uh, of the first episode, which I believe ended with a hot streak breaking out of the hospital and sort of the realization that there are quite a few bang babies uh, throughout the city. Now we see one right at the start of the episode, just some kid in a record store that Virgil and Richie are at turns into a big purple werewolf, which to be fair, it looks better than the werewolf in moon of the wolf. So, <laughs> uh, But we'll get more into visuals in a little bit later here, but uh, that sort of interrupted. I, I think get, talking about plot in this episode, Cal is really hard because there's like five different plots and none of them really intersect with each other at all. Yeah, this one with a purple werewolf just starts, then just goes away. Like, uh, does this do? Is that a character? Do we know? Does he come back later on in the show? Not that I mean, he may have some cameos later on, but I don't think he gets like his own episode at any point. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's sort of just an excuse to bring in Hot uh, Hot Streak, who comes in and he's. Uh, He's eager to show off to Virgil and Virgil's pals that uh, he, not only is he still a bully, but he now has a he's a, now a metahuman super bully. Uh, so he shows off his newly acquired powers, chasing down Virgil into an alley. Uh, he gets distracted somehow and Virgil's able to transform and sort of has this mini battle with uh, with with hot streak where uh, he ends up coming up a little bit short and ends up being a little bit dejected because of it. Yeah. So that's, that's like plot B (laughs) of the episode (laughs) is, uh, is yeah. Static having some sort of doubts about himself. And, and, uh, and I think that's kind of the frustrating part uh, for plot for this episode for me is that all of these little elements are kind of interesting and could be their own episode. (laughs) Uh, static dealing with doubts about you know this is still very early on in the superhero in career of static we talked about it before there's a lot of spider-man parallels to this character sort of constantly down on himself and doubting himself and needing the encouragement of his friends and sort of the reinforcement of going out there and catching the bad guys to to sort of replenish that confidence but that that almost in and of itself and and that being represented by him literally having to fight his high school his 35 year old high school bully francis um (laughs) who's like three um, feet taller than him and like like two 200 and he's like six five 240 (laughs) and we're supposed to expect or supposed to believe that he's like a a a sophomore in high school or something he was held he maybe was held back a couple years i don't know but uh but uh yeah it's a so that to me is an interesting episode in itself but that's sort of touched on and then dropped and then sort of picked up again at the end when we have our sort of final battle between static and hot streak after, after hot streak breaks out of prison. But in the middle there, we also have this little side thing about Virgil being concerned that like his powers are going to mutate further and he's going to turn into a monster like the werewolf they see at the start. So he goes to the doctor and there's some like weirdly inappropriate (laughs) for a children's cartoon innuendo about what Virgil's up to in his off time. Yeah. The doctor has this conversation with him and like, he talks like first it's sort of the conversation steers towards like puberty and like that Virgil's just talking about puberty. And then Virgil is strictly talking about like his powers, but I don't think he's upfront with the doctor about it. And the doctor 
thinks he's talking about <clears throat> uh, sexual activity. Well, I've been going through these changes. That's normal for a boy your age. This isn't normal. Believe me. Virgil, these changes you're talking about, do they involve another person? A lot of them. Does your father know what you've been doing? No, and he can't. Hold up. <laughs> Doc, we're talking about two different things here. That's a relief, <laughs> except now I'm back to having no idea what you're so worried about. Can I just have the test, please? Yes, and asks how many people are involved, and Virgil tells him many. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a hilarious misunderstanding here in this, this show for very young children. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that's like a little side thing, and that's sort of shown up at the end. Virgil gets a, a phone call, and his doctor lets him know that he's okay. Um, and then we also, as mentioned in the uh, overly wordy synopsis, we also find out that the Bang Baby, the, the strange purple gas, which gave all of these metahumans, as we find out, apparently Virgil coined that term for the entire DCAU. Yeah, I, I good for him. I didn't know that. He coined it so much and so quickly that his dad picked it up and was using it in, in just regular conversation <laughs> later on as if it was not coined three scenes before this. Yeah. So, uh, and then we have that. And then, yeah, we find out that this purple, this purple gas was uh, made by the company owned by Edwin Alva, who is sort of a recurring villain uh, from the Milestone comics that this series is based on. So we get the introduction of like the Norman Osborn of Static's universe, uh, the Lex Luthor, perhaps a more apt comparison for uh, what we're talking about here. But uh, so we have like all these little threads and none of, as, as mentioned, none of them really intersect. And that's kind of what frustrated me and why my plot score is a four out of 10. Whoa. Because, because there's like, to me, there's a really simple way to connect at least a couple of these, which is in the middle of the episode, Static, after overhearing, uh, doing some spying, finds out that the mayor and Edward Alva are kind of in on this cover up together. How'd the meeting go? keeping the pressure on but i'm not pointing my finger at anyone not until i have all the facts i appreciate your caution this is so cool uh, yo you think you can pick up pay-per-view this is better you know who that guy is edwin alva edwin alva dude's got big bank makes bill gates look like he's homeless what's he doing out here with the mayor not a date that's for sure my company would welcome an investigation really we'll see about that And so he goes to the corporation as static, uh, gets briefly captured and then escapes and Edwin Alva sees him escape. All you have to do is you have Edwin Alva then break hot streak out of jail or, you know, pay someone off to let hot streak out and tell him in exchange for your freedom, go kill static. Right. Cause then it's like, and then it all culminates together, but they don't do that. Uh, hot streak breaks out of jail by, pretending to take pills but then spitting them out um and apparently they didn't put him in any kind of fire resistant cell because he he breaks out of breaks out of jail off screen and uh and then he's just back in a park uh throwing flaming hot dogs at people <laughs> and 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 that's sort of where we get the resolution of statics confidence problem or whatever but it's to me, it's like that little nugget. And I understand that setting up stuff for later in the series. Edwin Alva is a recurring character especially throughout most of this season. 
but just like a little nugget to one you you to me it would it would deepen the how how much influence and power edwin alva has if he breaks hot streak out or gets or pays somebody off to get hot streak out of jail and six him on static that would make more sense to me instead it's just like it feels like we had a bunch of little vignettes that don't really go together in this episode yeah i can definitely see that um i gave plot a little bit higher i like i didn't dislike it as much as you did i gave it a six out of ten um i would say that i like the idea behind like the storyline i yeah i i see what you're saying i i wish they had kind of just picked one direction to go with and i think that the idea behind static sort of you know losing his confidence while that is a familiar trope like we said is you know that's a it's a familiar one that you probably run into a lot with spider-man uh most often is just being being you know being because he's a younger a younger superhero not being confident in his powers not being confident in who he is and uh you know allowing a defeat to sort of set him back further than maybe uh, somebody who's a little bit more mature would uh but yeah there's that that scene with the mayor and 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 Edwin <laughs> in the park is just awkwardly long and they're like feeding ducks or something Their way of being inconspicuous for their middle of the night meeting in a park is <laughs> is to both have a giant bag of breadcrumbs that they're just <laughs> every like two seconds just throwing out that's not how you feed ducks first of all <laughs> you don't just continually throw and handfuls. and mind you conspicuous but it's the mayor of the city and a dude driving a giant red sports car <laughs> <laughs> like just the loudest loudest yes. most ostentatious vehicle that you could think of this gentleman and they're standing there in the park in the park just casually feeding feeding whatever the fish or ducks or whatever the crap it was they were feeding them <laughs> Like what a weird scene that, and it goes on forever. Well, yeah, because uh, we had to do our giant exposition dump in the middle of that to let us know that the mayor is crooked. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's doing a lot of of legwork to sort of like you know lay some ground, like you said, for the rest of the season, I imagine. Um, but I feel like that there are ways that you can do that. Uh, much better that you can typically find in a cartoon. So I, I didn't love the way that they did that in this episode either, which is probably why we both gave it. Uh, I gave it a little bit higher than you, but still not great scores there for the, for the plot overall. Agreed. All right, Liam. Uh, of course we didn't mention, but uh, uh, hot streak is foiled at the end also by, I mean, what else, but a, but a poop pipe, right? Yeah. Hustrick has a line about how statics powers only affect metal, which I mean, it's electricity. Like it doesn't just like, obviously metal is like one of the better conductors for electricity, but like, it's not like if I got walked outside and got struck by lightning, that wouldn't hurt, you know? <laughs> like Pretty famously, they tell you not to stand near trees during a thunderstorm for that yeah. reason. Like those things get struck by lightning all the time. So you bring, you bring static out into the middle of the forest and suddenly his powers are no good. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like that either. That's yeah. didn't make a whole lot of sense. But yes, we do get to see some. Yeah, he he defeats him by dumping sewer water on him. So, ha <laughs> funny. Oh, classic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next category, shall we? That's going to be animation and visuals. Liam, um, 
now of course we are back in season one static which is i don't know i don't know what it's it's like two steps below like family guy animation or like you know it's like something you could whip up on ms paint or something like there's not a lot of you know we haven't done a lot of static yet but when we talk about the season one there's not a lot of detail uh, in the actual animation itself, because it seemed to be a, a fairly low budget uh, production. With that said, I will say that fascinating, something that fascinated me uh, in a couple of the scenes in the, in this episode, there were a couple scenes where it appeared that maybe, I don't know if it was a different storyboard artist or a different animation team within the company that did it worked on it, but there were a couple scenes where they kind of, one of them being uh, the scene where hot streak is in his cell. And then there was another scene where uh hot streak, I think, or there's an alley sequence uh, where I think where Richie is talking to static uh, in, in an alley towards the end. And uh, Mm -hmm. there's some really decent shadow work that's done. And that to me, that's the thing that's missing through most of the visuals for this is everything's very flat because there's no shadow work. There's no detail. Everybody is just all one color. There's no, uh, there's no gradient. There's no shadow work at all done to anybody. So everybody feels very flat and very low budget because of that. But there were Mm -hmm. a couple of those scenes that I'm like, wow, this is what this would have looked like back then. Like this dimension that's added because of the shadow work really, really does so much to improve. I wish that the rest of this season uh, was done a little bit <laughs> better. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that definitely comes to mind because yeah, when they do it, I think there's even a little bit when uh, when Static is sort of tailing Alva back to the headquarters and he's like listening in via, via his car phone antenna <laughs> because this cartoon was in the year 2000. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and... I didn't mention this, but this uh, episode debuted uh, September 30th, 2000. So we're over 20 years here. Yeah, and that's actually a plot element we forgot to mention is that when Static es- escapes the uh, the Alva Corporation, he has a disc, a compact disc with all of the incriminating evidence on it which uh, Hot Streak accidentally, like inver- inadvertently melts because Static was just carrying it around in his pocket. For... This has got a lot of play in this. There's the, the scene in the CD player or in the CD store mm-hmm. also where Static is playing the CDs by hand, which I thought was a pretty cool trick. But of course, nowadays, people are like, what the heck is, first of all, what is that? Second right. of all, what is he doing? <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's that. And then he uses like a like a serving dish or something as a, a listening device later. So yeah, I, <laughs> Static, yeah, static. The visualization of the different ways static can use his powers, I thought was pretty cool. Um, and uh, yeah, like I, I think the the two the two fight scenes we have with Hot Streak are are fine. Uh, I think the the first one where they're near the construction site and and static's kind of raining down all these supplies on him is is interesting. And then and uh, him, as we mentioned, that's. It, hot streak is stopped by the fire department the first time static doesn't even stop him so just in the like mid battle to see him get just uh they were like they were fire hoses but it looked like it was supposed to be some sort of flame flame retardant like it it was like a sticky substance it wasn't water that they were spraying him down with yeah it was like, uh, a, it was like a fire extinguisher type like foam mm-hmm. stuff so and then uh yeah and then the last fight which as they mentioned as we mentioned the whole point is Hot Streak goes to a park to wreak havoc and draw Static out. 
because he thinks Static's powers only work on metal, which Static doesn't really dispute that claim, but he does point out that there's metal everywhere, especially even, even if you can't see it. So he pulls, as mentioned, a giant, a giant pipe out of the ground over him, which he says, oh, thanks, thank God it was a, 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 a water line was here. And we go, nope, it's a sewer line. And I will say, usually I feel like in these cartoons, sewer water is like a greenish color. They went for a real strong brown <laughs> in the, <laughs> in the, in the, uh, the water that landed on Hot Streak in this episode. They did not shy away from... They wanted to leave and, nothing to your imagination. That's right. But yeah, like I don't think there's anything... I think, like I said, I think the coolest parts are probably, yeah, the different ways Virgil... Uh, uses his powers in unique ways with the CD and with uh, listening in on, on Alva and the mayor. But uh, yeah, I just went six out of 10 on visuals. I don't think there's anything spectacular, but I, I do think it's a, it's, it's fine. And again, I feel like we grade a little bit on a curve because it's, this is what the show is. <laughs> right. Um, so it's, it's, it we, as you pointed out, it, it is such a stark difference, even between this and later seasons of this show, much less Batman or, or Justice League or anything. So it's it can always be tough re, uh, doing that. But uh, yeah, I think I think everything is fine, but there isn't anything spectacular in this episode. Yeah, um, I would say, like I said, the this those two sequences, it just left me wanting like, man, I wish this didn't look like a low budget web series like i really <laughs> wish that this they had because those scenes showed and i like i i don't know i obviously i'm not an animator i don't know what a you know wh- what costs what and i assume shading and adding shadows and depth to characters certainly is something that would add to a budget based on just time um mm-hmm. being used but man like those those scenes really stood out to me and i was like man this doesn't this doesn't look too terrible when you watch these scenes and then the rest mm-hmm. of it is just like man this just looks so low budget um yeah i i laughed at 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 hot street throwing exploding hot dogs at people like okay he gets to the park where he's trying to trap static as you mentioned and he takes over a hot dog cart and he burns them and then he starts firing them at people making them explode on people um yeah i (laughs) that was really the only that was really the only other i think the only uh the only other note that i had there visually so uh, i went with the same exact score six out of ten um i think if more of those scenes if this had had Mm -hmm that additional detail would have been higher. I think hot streak is an interesting, I mean, he's, he's the human torch sort of, but in villain form, but it, at least there, there's some interesting visuals. And I think he matches up well with statics, statics powers as well. And certainly the visualization, as you mentioned, of statics, of statics powers were certainly some of the highlights uh, thumbs down for that duck feeding scene though. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. Uh, music, of course, Static is one of those shows that they have not released on soundtrack, so you can't listen to songs in isolation outside of maybe the theme song. Um, with that said, that doesn't always, if you listen to any of our episodes prior, that isn't always a bad thing, in my opinion, just because some of the music for this show is uh interesting we'll we'll maybe get into that in our second episode but uh this episode i really enjoyed the music and i thought uh one of the one of the things that i enjoyed about it 
no lyrics. <laughs> they weren't. I wasn't. I wasn't distracted by the scene by the by the music that's supposed to be background atmosphere setting music having words set to it. So, well, I don't. I don't necessarily know. We need to break out the disagreement alarm. But I had much fewer notes on music because there weren't <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> Uh, and that to me is the is the trademark of this show when it comes to music yeah like i think it's very like you know drum drum machine like kind of fast paced music in your in your uh action scenes and sort of a lot i feel like it's a lot of refrains and kind of just like single notes going when in in some of the, the quieter scenes there's a lot of just dialogue nothing wrong with it but i didn't have i didn't have a lot of notes on on music this week beyond just hey there's no lyrics that's bad i like it when there is lyrics uh yes i i, I enjoyed it they do they do pretty much uh bring in the static theme pretty regularly during the battle scene so mm-hmm. i appreciated that that's always something um you know a hallmark of these of these earlier dcau shows even though this technically wasn't yet officially canon in the dcau yet sort of retroactively if we as we've talked about um but for this episode at least it it punctuates that superhero theme punctuates you know that there's going to be some bad guy butt getting kicked uh, as soon as you hear the music kick in so uh, that accompanying of course the visualization they use the same the same sequence of him sort of rotating the it reminds me actually a lot of the iron man sequence from the uh, marvel iron man uh cartoon from the mid 90s also that uh where he tra- used to transform it, like spins around the camera sort of pans around on 360 and as he's sort of transforming into static but mm-hmm. the music really kicks in there um and does a does a great job of, of sort of ac- uh, accentuating that scene so uh, i went with a very strong uh for music this week showing how much i appreciate the fact that there weren't lyrics i went with a <laughs> eight out of ten for music this week wow uh yeah i went I don't think we need the disagreement alarm. I went six out of 10. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I didn't think there's anything wrong with the music. I thought it punctuation scenes and I, I do enjoy all of the various static themes. Uh, and then this one's no exception. So I do agree that they, they do a good job of, uh, of, yeah, of, of uh, amping, amping up the tension and, and getting you excited for, for static when it's time for him to make his, uh, his big comeback on hot streak at the end there. So yeah, it's good stuff. Awesome. Liam, let's take us to our final category for our first feature today, and that is going to be voice acting. Uh, let's talk about some of the players that we have, uh, revisit some of those that are in the the uh, normal cast for Static, and who else is uh, guesting this week? Yeah, we have a, a pretty solid cast here. We have the debuting Kerrigan Mayan as Edwin Alva, who folks might know from, he was on a lot of different versions of Power Rangers. I don't, I don't know Power Rangers lore. I don't know if there's crossover between the various series, but he played the same character on multiple of them. So you folks, some folks listening may know him from that. If someone wants to uh, at me at DCAE review and explain that to me, you, you, you go right ahead. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that was his uh, his biggest credit that I saw. We have Danny Cooksey, uh, who we've talked about a few times as Hot Streak. He's a good cartoon bully. Uh, uh, his voice—I don't know if his voice matches his, as you mentioned, two hundred and forty pound, thirty-one year old man uh, body. But uh, he's a good bully and a good uh, foil for Static slash Virgil. Um, 
I think he's pretty good. We have briefly, we have uh, Danica McKellar, who as Frida, who I will only mention because she also voices Miss Martian in Young Justice. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, that's worth throwing out there. And then, of course, we have Michelle Morgan as Sharon, his sister, briefly. We have uh, Mishak Taylor as Dr. Harris. We have Kevin Michael Richardson as Virgil's dad. And, oh, I almost, somehow I almost forgot to mention uh, one of those, well, you know who that is as soon as you hear it. We have CCH Pounder as the mayor of, uh, of Dakota, uh, the crooked mayor uh of north dakota uh not north dakota just dakota um and uh yeah like she's she's fine in that role but it it is distracting because it's just her normal voice which is basically the voice she does as uh as as amanda waller as well so it's like oh i guess amanda waller maybe had a maybe she had a sister or like a cousin (laughs) um or just a voice twin but uh yeah, it was uh, it was it was interesting to hear her as well as Maria Canales also plays the uh, reporter in a lot of these early episodes. So, a couple of uh, familiar voices, and then of course we have Jason Marston as Richie and the great Phil Lamar as Static. Uh, definitely, as I think will be a theme in a lot of these early Static episodes, I think Phil Lamar is really good, um, and, and I think everyone else around him is all right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think anyone else was great, but I do think there's there's uh, some good stuff and some of the different emotions that he has to play as Static in this episode. As we mentioned, he's going through a whole lot of stuff, but with the stuff with the Doctor, the stuff with uh, you know sort of doubting himself versus uh, versus Hot Streak, and then also having this him being sort of an investigator and a bit of a detective as he's trying to find out what's going on with uh, with the Bang Baby gas. I, th- I think he does a pretty good job in this episode. Yeah, he's really, really great. I Basically, my score is based off solely on Phil Lamar's performance. And, um, you know, we've talked about it. It's a very different type of character. He's playing a quippy, younger teenager, obviously, which is a very stark contrast to his persona as Green Lantern or any of the other voices that you may know him uh, doing outside of it so it's a different type of voice and it's a different type of dialogue uh, but for this I, I felt like he did a really great job especially it's sort of that uh, that uncertainty and certainly that um, panic and worry if he's gonna you know turn into something that he's not able to control and the dynamic sort of with his dad where his dad is sort of ragging on static and uh, you know puts puts you know he hears that static got got bested by uh by hot streak and is worried that maybe static is going to turn just like any of the other bang babies everywhere you look there's another bang baby setting fires wrecking buildings scaring everybody and no one's doing anything about it well what about that kid they were talking about on the news what's his name static he's doing something isn't he didn't you hear what happened today he got beat bad besides he's probably a bang baby too if he is he's one of the few good ones for now. What's that mean? Nobody knows anything about these metahumans. Now, what if Static keeps changing? What if he turns into some kind of monster? Nobody knows. Not even Static himself. 
Uh, mm. So there's 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 definitely a range of emotion that he has to pull off, and some of it is that doubt, and some of that is that worry and concern. And uh, I I think he does a really great job. This is a really strong performance. I thought um, it, the rest of everybody else, everybody else was okay. I thought CCH Pounder was actually really really good. Again, I mean she's a great actress, so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I I think her character I could take her pro- take or leave her character probably, but I think her performance is really strong. Uh, and I thought I thought the supporting cast. I thought I thought uh, James Marsden was good, and uh, I think the rest of the supporting cast was pretty strong this week. So uh, I actually went with a pretty strong nine out of ten. Wow, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit lower, but I gave it a seven out of ten. Still uh, still strong there. Yeah, I think that there's a scene where um, where I think near the end, as you mentioned, where Richie's kind of giving Static a pep talk, and he he just mentions, "Hey, like you're not you're not just Virgil anymore." you know, you're, you're a hero now. And that's, and I, I think we, we've talked about that certainly in a lot of the statics we've reviewed so far that a lot of times a character like Richie, like Robin in the original Batman animated series can kind of just be used as a quip machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, the, the comic relief as it were, but so seeing him, you know, getting to show a little bit more emotion, a little bit more of emotional range and him sort of, you know, giving giving that pep talk to his best friend. I thought I thought he did a good job with that. So yeah, I think it's a, a strong episode, uh, mostly thanks to Phil Lamar and Jason Marsden. Agreed. All right, so let's tally up our final scores here, Liam. Tallying everything up, I end up with a, a pretty decent twenty nine out of forty. Yeah, and I'm just a, a little bit lower. <laughs> uh, thanks, I think mostly to my uh, to my plot score bringing down the average a little bit, but. Uh, I have a 23 out of 40. And that might be our biggest disparity of 2020. I don't know. We'll have to... I, I don't know. Might, it might still be that uh, a previous static we covered uh, based on our musical disagreements. But, uh, <laughs> it's definitely up there. Static static seems to bring out uh, a pol- very polarizing final score. <laughs> so we'll have to see with our double feature here whether or not uh, that, that trend continues. But uh, as far as rewatchability for this episode, Liam... Uh, I think you're right. I, I I guess this is this is a sort of this is like the first hot streak episode, and it does introduce some of these plot threads that are going to continue throughout the season. So I guess in that sense, it's a it's a must watch. But it feels it feels almost like it's like you could probably figure it out if you didn't though. Yeah, I mean, and we have because we haven't reviewed all of these in order, and we know who Hot Streak is, and right. we know, <laughs> and you know, I don't think based on how much he is in this episode, I I don't think it would take you that long to figure out who Edwin Alva is, um, and I don't think like the Crooked Mayor or or whoever some of our other characters uh, really come that much into play later on so the purple wolf you know yes the purple wolf who well, may or may not return we'll we'll find out someday um <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah i don't think i don't think it's must must watch it does seem important it almost it, it's funny because i think when we reviewed the first episode that one almost ends as a direct cliffhanger with uh francis hot streak leaving the hospital right um and so you would think this episode would almost pick up right after that. But when they bump into 
uh, hot streak outside of the record store. It's not implied that he's been on like a rampage and Virgil's been tracking him or anything. Like he just kind of shows up again. They don't even after, know that he has powers, right? Right. No. After after the last time we saw him, he had blown up a ho- you know a, a at least a floor of a hospital or something <laughs> as he was escaping. Um. So yeah, it didn't really feel like a direct of enough c- continuation of the first episode where you have to watch it in tandem with that first episode. So yeah, I, I think this is, you know, half of a thumb up if it's, if you're talking about just static episodes, but as far as like importance to the overall series or to the DCAU at large, I'd say this one is pretty skippable. I hear that and agree. All right. Well, Liam, let's move on to the second part of our double feature. As we noted at the start of the show, we are covering uh, our second episode, which is titled They're Playing My Song. Now, I saw two different records here of the original air date of this. I saw one that said it was originally aired on November 4th, 2000. I saw another one that said November 11th, 2000. Uh, so I'll just go with the November 11th, 2000 as the uh, as the original air date for that one, because I saw that in multiple places. But uh, so this one originally aired Kids WB November 11th, 2000. Uh, I'm sure you are very excited to give us the second wordy IMDb synopsis of the day <laughs> to describe this episode. Yeah, just so many syllables here. Uh, but yeah, this is for They're Playing My Song, which was written by Dwayne McDuffie, directed again by Dan Reba, with uh, music by Derek Thompson and animation by Coco. And that synopsis reads as such. Rubber Band Man, an angry young teenager with the power to stretch his body into any shape, seeks vengeance against the corrupt record producer who cheated him out of profits for a hit song. <sighs> I'm All out right. of breath. All right. uh, <laughs> and I guess, yeah, I guess we can jump into plot for this one we as well. Give our scores. Cause that's pretty much all the, <laughs> that's pretty much the plot of the episode. Yes. Yeah, st- static's also in the episode, but yes, uh, <laughs> No, I, I really enjoyed this episode actually um, mm-hmm. as far as static episodes that we've, that don't have Batman in them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed this episode. It, it rang true. I think uh, more to almost like an old, like an updated version of a Batman, the animated series plot based on what we're about to discuss as far as how the plot goes. Yeah. So this is not a, this, this isn't, He's, you know, Rubber Band Man is a bang baby the same way that some of Static's other villains are, but he isn't motivated by greed or he's not just knocking over banks. He has a specific goal in mind, and that is he, before he was a bang baby, he was making beats. He sent samples of his beats to a record label uh, trying to get hired, and uh, this producer, DJ Rook, that we meet later in the episode, literally just stole his beat and then gave it to a popular uh, group called the, the ice it was the ice pack. Not a group. It's a single rapper. <laughs> oh, it's just, okay. You, pack would make you think it was multiple people, but you're right. It's just one dude. Ice pack. Uh, <laughs> ice pack. <laughs> ice pick. I feel like would make better if it's just one guy. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so it's, so he's been cheated and robbed and now, this ice pack song is a is a huge hit and rubber band man wants revenge so yeah to your point he is not 
your typical Saturday morning cartoon villain. He's motivated by something very specific, which is that he was a nobody who got robbed by a somebody and is, is looking to to sort of right that wrong. And unfortunately, he's chosen to do it in a very violent and public way, which obviously draws the attention of Static, but... Slow your roll there, Superball. I got no beef with you. Static, right? That's me. And you are? About to get very angry unless you get out of my way. What do you want with these folks? Punk inside stole from me. If he did, this isn't the way to fix it. I tried every other way. Now move. How about we go all radical, sit down, and talk about it? I don't think so, Sparky. Be that way. Nice shot. But rubber's an insulator, so your electrical powers can't really hurt me. Oh, no, you don't. Let me tell you something about electricity. A big enough charge can overload any insulator. And that one wasn't big enough. You're not the enemy. Yeah, it's, it's definitely there's definitely more to this than your your average uh, your average Saturday morning cartoon villain. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the late great Dwayne McDuffie wrote this episode, and uh, it's it's interesting because it's more of it's it's a commentary on it, the music industry in a way. I think uh, there's a couple of, of comments that DJ Rook makes uh, in in the episode, like after Rubber Band Man it, it figures out that this DJ is the person responsible for ripping off his beat. Um, you know, he goes to confront him at his mansion and he comes face to face with him. And DJ Rook basically says, yeah, I ripped you off. And he's like, I'm in the music business. That's how we do things. Um, <laughs> which, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I'm, we, we obviously, we're not a, we're not a music industry podcast, so we're not gonna, like, I'm not going to get on a soapbox here, but just, for, I mean, for a second, if you know anything about the music industry, it's very, 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 very one-sided when it comes to, at least it has been for a very long time record companies make all the money Mm -hmm. uh, in most cases and keep a lot of the profits and it's very very hard for individuals to make money in in i mean it can be done but record companies make hand over fist for typically what your typical performer makes Mm -hmm. uh, or band or rapper or you know your favorite artist uh so for at least in the past before you know before you know the web blew up and you're kind of have have things a little bit more readily available with that said i think it's very interesting that dwayne mcduffie decided to, to kind of write a story that was sort of a commentary on that and that you know something that uh you know he's coming from a perspective that maybe you're you're maybe your typical person or your normal uh wb executive wouldn't think of as far as like mm-hmm. stories storylines were considered uh you know a, a a rap artist getting their beat ripped off 
Um, I really appreciate it though, because as as he goes through Rubber Band Man, you you begin to empathize with him, and you begin to sympathize with him, and see this guy, he's not he's not really out for anything other than what he truly is owed, which is he created something that is really really good, that is really popular. He's just trying to get to the bottom of who who ripped him off, and he just right. wants to get paid for it because he's clearly living in the uh, maybe not so nice part of town. And as we see, you know, we go to the Dakota Hills where, you know, DJ Rook lives and static has some commentary about how they live there and how things are, you know, even the playgrounds uh, are so nice that they it looks like they should charge admission. <laughs> uh, so there's, there's some, certainly some classism there also like some mm-hmm. commentary on that. Sure. And so you begin to sort of, sort of empathize and sympathize with this rubber band man, obviously, as you said, in typical sort of, uh, you know, classic cartoon, maybe Batman, the animated series fashion, the character, maybe you can sympathize with him, but his means of getting things done, certainly attacking that he attacks ice pack at a CD signing, which (laughs) dates the show. There was a CD signing. They used to sign CDs, (laughs) give them to people, Uh, but he attacks ice pack and puts him on top. He takes him to the top of the, of the tallest building or the, uh, the record company building in the city and puts him on top of the building, tells him, he's going to leave him there until he tells him who who's responsible for it. so obviously the means by which he tries to exact his vengeance are are certainly not uh not wholesome but he he's a, you can at least look and see like he's just trying to get what he's what he deserves yeah i and i do think that's a really interesting episode and throughout the episode especially near the end once static has kind of put it together he's he's almost kind of on rubber band man's side there for a minute like he he knows he's been ripped off and then uh you know dj rook locks rubber band man in a safe and basically with no air in it and tries to suffocate him to death and static shows up and breaks him out of the cell and is sort of trying to reason with them and telling them that hey like you know you have proof you have the cd like we can we can do something about this you don't have to go down this path but by the end, Rubber Band Man is a little too far gone and wants to take, you know, physical permanent revenge against DJ Rook. And so, of course, Static has to stop him at that point. But yeah, I, I do think that's that's definitely a really strong story because, uh, I mean, everyone always says that the, uh, the the best villains are the ones that I think you can kind of that have a point that have that have something you can empathize with or something you can understand emotions you can understand He's not a you know guy tw- twirling his mustache, uh, robbing banks or or just being evil for the sake of it. He has a very specific goal, and he was wronged by people who, in some ways, are just as bad as him, and uh, if if not worse in some ways, and uh, uh, you know people profiting off the hard work of of someone else and that person not getting credit for it. Like it's a really it's a really interesting story, and yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of layers to it, and I think they handle it very well and. It's not like a super, you know, a super happy ending for for Rubber Band Man. Is again, he has that moment where he can kind of turn back from from that life of crime, and instead decides to keep going with it. And and Static has to stop him. So it's ultimately kind of a a little bit of a of a bummer of an ending. But uh, it's it is uh, it's very it's very very strong, and I think it it really touches on a lot of subjects that as you mentioned, especially in touching it on it in a way we've seen stories about people, as you mentioned, from Batman, from Superman of, 
you know, the little guy being stepped on and deciding he doesn't want to be stepped on anymore, but to come at it from a specific way in a way that maybe affects black, you know, black people or African-American people more so, which we, we've talked about from the first episode of Static that we covered, how important that was to Dwayne McDuffie and Dennis Cowan and the other creators and at Milestone of showing these problems and showing the black experience, the minority experience through the lens of superhero stories. And I think this is a great example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There were a couple things, a couple uh, moments in the plot that I I thought that stuck out a little bit. One of them, I, 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 it's interesting. So after, after rubber man, man puts ice pack on top of this record uh, record company and he, he figures out DJ Rook is the person responsible for this. he, he leaves him there and static static kind of comes and has to save ice pack from falling off the top of the roof, but he sort of enacts uh, some very Batman like uh, <laughs> mode or uh, ways of, of get tricks and getting information out of, out of ice pack at that point. He, he kind of uh, kind of lets him drop a little bit and threatens threatens him a little bit if he doesn't give him some information. So I, I thought that was interesting that static sort of showed a little bit of a, of a dark side to his character and, and willing to in, in, in to willing to get information. What? I mean, how? you rappers certainly are an articulate bunch. What was that? Freestyle? <laughs> I'm outie. Oh yeah. Thanks. Hold up. Ice pump. I want to know why rubber band man. So mad at you can't say you steal from him like maybe some music he wrote don't mess with this very scary person involved yeah me (laughs) is that your final answer hi dog it's my producer that's who ripped him off oh do go on yeah i mean it's almost it's almost played a little bit for comedy in the scene when we have the the when we have the rapper going oh not again but but yeah in the moment there it's static trying to be like okay you now tell me where he went so i can i can stop him and 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 i spec still trying to play tough and there's a lot of talk about street cred in uh, towards the end of this episode about the importance of that and how you know they can't can't let him see him be punked out or be known as a snitch and yeah so static having to get a little tough and 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 go right back and play a play a little bit of a uh, the bad cop a little bit was was cool to see it's funny i'll just mention this now but in the original airing of this episode there's actually a specific allusion to clark kent uh as superman uh because at the time that this show was first produced it wasn't necessarily going to be a part of the dcau as i believe we talked about uh when we reviewed the uh, statics first meeting with batman which you can hear in the archives at dcaureview.com but uh so and i believe that was edited out once season two started and then edited out of any uh future airings or uh dvd releases eventually but yeah it is, it is funny that he was he's sort of taking notes from who at this point in the series were technically fi- fictional characters still even within this world uh, but of course, later on, we find out that no, they're all they're all very much real and, and statics very much part of it. But yeah, it, it is interesting to see that's kind of the character development we see for static beyond this kind of comedic subplot of him, of him, of his dad making him get a job. That's kind of the only other <laughs> like uh, the notes of it is uh, 
and uh, which he immediately gets fired from because he goes to take out the trash and then never comes back. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, speaking of Superman, there is another illusion that they did leave in here. And that is, of course, where uh, uh, Richie shows off the gas station that will eventually become Static's home headquarters, this abandoned gas station. And uh, Static says, Static is a little bit uh, less than impressed by the appearance, <laughs> I would say. It asks if Richie is going to call it the abandoned gas station of solitude. So I... <laughs> thought that that was that was a pretty good one um yeah I, I think the only other question that i had as far as plot was concerned was at the very end the way that he ultimately he being static foils uh rubber band man is mm-hmm. he glues him to this piece of playground uh equipment <laughs> uh where did he get the glue from did did he just bring that with him <laughs> does he like, just keep it does he keep it does he sniff like <laughs> Right. Does Virgil have a bad habit we don't know about? I, I guess maybe you could explain it away that they, in theory, were on some sort of school property and he went into the school and found the glue in the, like, in a split second. But that would allow, I mean, that would be trying to convince me that he has, like, super speed also, which I'm right not aware that he has. So, yeah, I'd, I, I don't know where the glue came from, but he just produces glue, ma- manages to glue rubber band man down to this equipment and spins him around till he's wrapped around this uh, piece of equipment completely. So, uh, and then DJ Rook is hauled off talking about how he's, his street cred is going to be boosted uh, after all of this. And, uh, and static assures him that, uh, nope. Uh, in fact, people are going to find out that you stole a lot of other people's stuff. So, they're going to they're going to not be as impressed with you. And then maybe the saddest part of the episode, Richie goes <laughs> Richie goes out of his way to buy Static the CD for Ice Pack, have it signed and gives it to him as a gift and Static literally throws it in the garbage can immediately. Yeah, it wasn't even like, "Hey, you know, thanks for the gesture, buddy, best friend." Uh, you know, I'll, maybe I'll listen to it someday or something. Nope, just immediately takes it out of Richie's hands and throws it right in the garbage can. It was, yeah, Virgil, between this and him uh, negging the the abandoned gas station of Solitude, this is a real, uh, <laughs> Virgil's really a bully in this episode to <laughs> Richie. <laughs> Richie puts up with a lot of, uh, plus Richie has to cover for him with his boss when he when he runs out after digging the, the trash. Uh <laughs> Rich Virgil gets fired through Richie. Um, so we can imagine off screen that uh, that uh, Virgil's boss was really reading Richie the riot act and he just had to stand there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of punishment to poor Richie in this, in his brief appearances in this episode. All right. Well, let's, let's boil this down to some scores here. Um, I, I think this is a really, really strong episode. I think, I think, like I said, Yes, I think there's a couple things that seem to be borrowed a little bit from Batman the Animated Series. Certainly, that, like you said, it's no, it's not a, it's not an original idea having the guy that's trampled upon sort of rise up and try and take on the, uh, the big bads uh, that are actually the villains of the episode. And uh, even the scene with with Rubber Band Man being locked in a safe seemed to be maybe possibly borrowed from. 
uh, an episode of Batman, the animated series that we've covered. So uh, there was some familiarity about that, uh, all of that together. However, I think this is a really strong episode, certainly the dynamic that we talked about. Um, bringing some depth to the character, bringing a, a second dimension to the the person that's sort of supposed to be the bad guy. You know, there's a big green neon sign pointing saying, this is the bad guy of the episode. But then you realize, you know, a quarter of the way through the episode, that's actually, he's, he's not really the bad guy. He's been wronged and he's just sort of, you know, disoriented mm-hmm. here. So I think that always adds a lot. I think the story story was told very well. I think, as we mentioned, some of these plot points that uh, certainly apply and certainly uh, trying to appeal to, uh, you know, the African-American audience and a minority telling minority stories um, as opposed to the same stories that may have been told, you know, through through the eyes of of uh of white writers before i think that's really really strong so with that said i ended up giving this a very strong eight out of ten for plot what about you i actually went a full 10 out of 10 for plot here awesome yeah i i I love this episode i really i think especially from a narrative standpoint for all the reasons we've already talked about um and it's just it moved like it's paced very well like nothing we talked about how like painfully long the bird the duck feeding scene was (laughs) there's nothing like that like this episode moves very well we get a little bit of comedy with with virgil at the at the uh the fast food place that's that's fun and and you know his friends kind of busting on him a little bit. I don't know who the third guy was with Frida and Richie. He's just like a guy with a little bit of a Jamaican accent. Maybe uh, played out later on. I yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to put put a pin in that and come back to it later. But uh, I thought that's fun. And then yeah, you have this this very serious sort of main plot that uh, that that uh, it's kind of really nuanced uh, about it. And yeah, I thought it, I thought it's a lot of fun. So yeah, I, I thought it was deserving of a perfect score from me. Love it. All right, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be animation and visual. Obviously, we are still here in season one. With that said, we have some at least a visually interesting character with Rubber Band Man. Of course, uh, his powers manifesting in ways that we've probably seen, whether we've watched Fantastic Four or maybe later on in Justice League Unlimited with the Elongated Man. But uh, a stretchy guy, as as uh, <laughs> John Stewart would call him, is always welcome uh, to to sort of witness some of those powers. I think that adds to a lot of fun visuals that were had for this episode. Which, despite the fact that we're still in that very sort of generic web webisode style animation for the majority of it um it adds a dynamic that makes this episode visually interesting and fun and i think a lot of the character designs were pretty interesting also yeah imagine if rubber band man was in that justice league episode we would have had three stretchy guys (laughs) (laughs) what could have been what could have been yeah but uh but no yeah i think that's definitely the strength of it from a visual standpoint they establish there's, there's the thing that like Rubber Band Man and Plastic Man does this sometimes too, where they establish that he can shape shift as well, which is fine. But like, I don't, I never understand because it's from what we can tell, he's in this like spandex suit that like expands and contracts with him. But like, it also changes colors because at one point he's in like street clothes and like a, you know, a collared shirt and jeans that change from blue to purple Later, he's dressed as a woman who doesn't have any purple on it on her person at all and then transforms back into it. So 
I guess I guess it's just the type of mutation he has. Is, but and I know he gets a different suit later on in the later seasons. But it, I was just I was trying to figure out if like if does he make the suit? Like is he is he nude? I guess is my question. <laughs> like is this is everything on him made from him, or is the suit? was he wearing the suit when he got hit with the gas like was he involved in something else was he like a was he like a speed skater or something and he got say, it's like a roller derby costume yeah. or, or something like it's, just, it's, a very, it's a very i don't know we don't get the full backstory of where the origins of his suit came from so really i think that means it's up to your head canon so if you if you want him to be able to transform his skin to a purple material like visual that's fine. I'm uncomfortable with thinking that he's just running around <laughs> basically naked all the time. I'm just trying to figure out how or how it's either either the suit is magic and can change color or he makes the suit out of his skin. That, those are my uh, those are my two options. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I think that's definitely the, the strongest part from an animation standpoint to try to get us back on schedule here. Um <laughs> Uh, is uh, I think the scene, especially where he's chasing down the limo near the start of the episode, and he's transforms himself into this ball, and he's just bouncing, and you have sort of the road moving moving underneath him very fast, and it feels like he's it's a high speed chase, even though it's just a purple guy bouncing bouncing forward. It feels like he's coming after them pretty aggressively, and that first fight with him and Static feels a little more violent. I feel like than a lot of these early static episodes have been like, he's, he's really kind of beat. He really kind of beats the tar out of static in that first fight. Yeah. He, he does some shape shifting with his hands. He's got hammers. He makes his fist bigger. Um, yeah. I, I think we could go on and on talking about his, his visuals altogether. The rest of the episode, I, like I said, I think the only other thing that I, I particularly enjoyed. I loved the character design for DJ Rook. I thought mm-hmm. that uh, that Ice Pack. I guess they're sort of like amalgamation amalgamations of. Um, I don't. I couldn't put like a finger on one particular person that Ice Pack was. I mean, I, the 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 easy layup would would be Tupac or, or you know Tupac. I, I I don't know. I didn't see. It didn't. He looked a little too buff. So maybe it was a, a conglomeration of a bunch of different guys. DJ mm-hmm. Rook being on the heavier set side. You know, your brain immediately goes to maybe Biggie Smalls or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, they they had their own unique looks. It wasn't just a caricature of one of those classic uh classic rappers from the 90s it was you know dj brooks in particular had some flourish to him man he was kind of dressed up a little (laughs) bit very pimpish i was like yes uh he you know he has a a white suit with a a leopard trim on it with a leopard lapels and uh you know big big gold chains and stuff that you would assume that a very rich uh record producer that has a vault in his living room with just a Scrooge McDuck amount of dollars in it uh, <laughs> would would seem to have, but uh, I really enjoyed visuals for the for this. Uh, I, you know, it this always takes out a little bit uh, when you're when it's you know it has this sort of look to, to things. Uh, with that said, I think overall visuals very fun. Certainly, Rubber Band Man's visuals were the strongest and most interesting. Uh, I went with another eight out of ten. Yeah, I I think I think uh, I also went with a a very strong eight out of ten. Uh, I think it's it's a really fun episode, mostly because of Rubber Band Man. But even some of the way Static uses his powers, 
uh, the way he, he melts the safe, uh, he creates like a a dummy of himself made out of uh, made out of cash to to fool Rubber Band Man at one point. He uh, the way he ties up uh, uh, DJ Rook in the in the monkey bars or or whatever they were the jungle gym and and then uh, gets Rubber Band Man tied up in the uh, what do you call that wheel? Is there a name for that? <laughs> we were homeschooled. I don't know if we ever mentioned that. So like playgrounds. <laughs> If there was a name for that, I don't know what it is. The spinny it's, wheel thing, you know? It's the thing that you push that people would like fall and get stuck under. It's like a, it's like a child killer, I think is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> like one one person lays in the middle of it and then... You spin them every, until they vomit. Right, right, exactly. Uh, whatever that's called, uh, getting him, him getting rubber band man tied up in that as the way to defeat him, I thought was was pretty clever as opposed to a guy he can't just zap him because as we mentioned... Uh, at the start of the episode, uh, he's he's pretty resistant to Static's powers. So, um, yeah, it's it's. I thought they they did some pretty cool stuff with Static as well as uh, all the cool cool transformations that we see Rubber Band Man go through. Love it. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. Uh, unlike the first episode that I praised the music for, I was not as much of a fan, despite laughing at the Ice Pack theme song. Weisspack always knew he had mad skills or whatnot. Which replays several times in this episode oh, yeah. and has a some sort of refrain about taking things down to zero degrees or basic zero or something like that. I, I don't know. Like I it's just repeated several times. In a couple a couple scenes, it's played like the song is playing over somebody's boombox. So I was like, okay, that's fine. But at least one scene, it is played as background music that is supposed to be like intro music. And I was just like, nope, <laughs> not having this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a ton of notes other than the, the ice pack theme. Uh, I think there's again, some good sort of fight music towards the beginning and when, uh, and chase music, whenever band man's chasing down the limo. I do like the music during that final that final bit in in the mansion, and then when it spills out into the playground, um, it's it's still that sort of fast paced uh, drum you know drum machine music, but it starts bringing in more orchestral music sort of over top of that, and I think that creates kind of an interesting environment. But uh, yeah, not not a lot lot to write home about with music for either of these episodes this week. But I went with a six out of ten for music because I I liked the ice pack theme. Uh, I actually also went with a six out of ten, and that's because, like I said, two out of the three times they played the song, you could say that it was being played over somebody's. <laughs> it was either playing at the place where they were signing the CDs, or it was playing over somebody's cd player that also had a speaker in it i guess i I don't know sure uh but yeah i also gave it a six out of ten because at least i mean i chuckled at it because it was goofy uh (laughs) and and at least it wasn't just a hundred percent of the time played as this is the atmospheric music that you're supposed to set the mood for the scene 
All right. Uh, quickly, Liam, we will move on to our final category of the day, which, of course, is voice acting. Uh, for this episode, of course, we have some of the regulars that we just covered from our last episode, but we do have uh, a, a another large cast here. So who are some of our voice actors uh, for th- this episode? Yeah, so we once again have uh, brief appearances by Kevin Michael Richardson as Robert Hawkins. We have Michelle Morgan as Sharon. Uh, and then we, of course, have once again, we have Danica McKellar as Frida. But uh, of course, our, our main players this week, we have a couple of guest actors here. We have uh, Kadeem Hardison, who uh, folks might know from a different world, uh, playing rubber band man. Uh, I think I think he's good. I don't think he's great. Like, yeah, I think he's a little monotone. And I think especially towards the end when he's supposed to be like really upset and arguing with static i feel like you could have used a little more oomph in it but uh we'll we'll have it, it remains to be seen he's he's got quite a few more episodes that we'll we'll get to cover somewhere down the line so uh, whether or not he grows into the role a little bit more but I like like i said not bad but not great either yeah i my only note for him was that i felt like his performance kind of went downhill from the start like it started out pretty decent and then it kind of got progressively not as good so mm-hmm. um yeah be interested to see how in the future appearances that he has uh you know his performance in those that's right and then uh and and before we get to our heroes of the piece we we do have one other guest that being dj rook played by an actual uh musician and and star of the 80s terence trent darby uh playing the role of dj rook here and uh he sounds like uh a celebrity doing a (laughs) playing trying to be an actor uh no offense to him but he's uh, i i recognized the name and i was like i know that name where is it from and then all of most of his credits were uh on soundtracks for movies and i was like oh he's he's a singer or uh you know a musical artist he's not a uh he's not really an actor so i think this was more just kind of a wink to you know a a, a because the story took place in in the music industry they got someone from the music industry and again he's not terrible or anything but he's just again very it sounds like he's reading off a script like it sounds like he's reading like uh you know everything especially when he's giving like this very villainous monologue about this is the music industry and that's just what happens. And I, you know, I steal beats from a lot of people and, and everything like that. Like you really could, if you would have like a really strong voice actor there, that could have been something really special. And like, and again, I get the coolness and the, the factor of actually bringing, you know, a celebrity from that, from that world in for your episode that focuses on that world. But he his performance left a little bit to be desired i would say my argument would be though it's not as if like how many people know that name if most of his if most of his credits are for soundtrack like for soundtracks like well most of his imdb credits i should say he has has many you know many studio albums as well gotcha 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 okay well i mean okay but my question to you is do you feel like he did a better or worse job than shaquille o'neal Ooh, uh, I will say a little bit worse because Shaquille O'Neal sounded like Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> in that in in Static Shaq. Shaq is not a great voice actor, but he did in fact talk the way Shaquille O'Neal talks normally, so he was believable as himself. <laughs> That's fair. Um, if Terrence Trent Darby had played himself in this episode, I wouldn't. I wouldn't 
be maybe so harsh on it but because he plays like the true like kingpin bad guy of this episode you kind of needed i think uh a little bit of a stronger performance from him and uh again not, not not the worst we've ever heard but not certainly not not great i'm in the music business it's the way we do things but you're too tough to cheat i'll see that you get your credit on the next pressing and as for your money Just take as much as you can carry for now. We'll work out the details tomorrow, okay? As much as I can carry, huh? You just made a bad deal. One of us did. And this is the last thing I'll say on it. It makes sense if it's somebody who's like internationally, like we have Shaq starring on the program this week. Like, great. Mm. All right. You might get a couple people that tune in because they're curious because they really like Shaq. I don't think there are people that are tuning in. They're like, yeah, we want to hear this guy on our program. He's so like, oh yeah, that voice is so recognizable as he, he's a singer. Like if he's a singer and he's not a like, even right. less chance that people are going to recognize the voice and tune in and be like, yeah, oh yeah, I know who that is. So you had a chance, like maybe it was a, a wink and a nod, like, oh yeah, this is a, we're going to get somebody from the music industry to come in and do this voiceover. But if they weren't great, which I wouldn't say that he is, he's okay, but he's not yeah. great. So maybe, maybe reconsider that. That could have been reconsidered, but moving on. Yes. And then of course, once again, we have Jason Marston as Richie, who, as we mentioned, takes a lot of abuse in this episode. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and of course, once again, Philomar as static slash Virgil. Uh, yeah. Like I mentioned, I really enjoy the scene at the gas station where, uh, where static's just constantly belittling Richie. Um, but I, I think that the play between them, the play between Phil Lamar and Michelle Morgan when they're arguing, uh, we find out Static's middle name. Uh, I don't know if uh, Ovid, I don't think that had been mentioned on on the show. I don't know if it ever gets mentioned again either. <laughs> but uh, we find out Virgil's middle name and he gets very upset that that it was spoken in the house. And yeah, I, I think I think Phil Lamar is really good in this episode. Again, a lot of his stuff is like this side comedic stuff because a lot of the episode does focus on rubber band man um, with Virgil kind of being a step behind trying to piece it all together. So, uh, but yeah, I think, I think another, another strong episode, uh, certainly not one that focuses on him as much as uh, the first episode we talked about did though. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, that's why I ended up giving voice acting a seven out of 10. Um, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not awful he doesn't have a lot to carry i think like i said if the performance um you know from for rubber band man had maybe not declined as much as it, as i felt it did mm. um then i would have given it a little bit higher score but i you know seven seven out of ten is still pretty strong yeah i i gave it the exact same score a another seven out of ten there awesome all right, Liam, let's total up our scores for this episode. Uh, totaling everything up at the very end here, I have the exact same score that I gave the first episode, which is a 29 out of 40. Nice. And uh, I'm just a little bit higher this time. Uh, I am at a 31 out of 40. 
not as much a disparity, that's for sure. For sure. Uh, quickly here, we'll discuss rewatchability for this one. I think this is because of the depth this episode has. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking, and and again, we look at these episodes outside of, you know, a lot of people know about Batman the Animated Series to a mm-hmm. little bit lesser extent Superman. And then the further way you get from it, you get to some of these ancillary you know, to, to Static and Zeta. You really a lot of it especially early on here these are not particularly um they're they're not must watches because they don't really influence the rest of the dcau they're outside but inside so um Mm. with considering that within the scope of if you're recommending somebody static episodes to watch i would recommend this one especially because it's first season even though the animation may be not up to par just yet i think storytelling wise it's interesting enough where i would say okay if you're going through uh season one okay watch the pilot and then you can skip at this point to sons of the fathers or you know or skip to skip to you know they're playing my song because those those stories have some depth to them in a little bit and and at least have some good storytelling that takes place Absolutely. And of course, you know, as we mentioned, Rubber Band Man comes back quite a few more times, ends up kind of becoming another uh, another important character in, in Virgil's circle towards uh, the later seasons. So, yeah, I think for, for that, for, for everything we've talked about, for how deep of a story it is combined with that, it's introducing a pretty important recurring character. Yeah, I definitely think this one is a uh, thumbs up for rewatchability. Awesome. All right, Liam. Well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Don't forget, you can follow us on social media at DCAU Review, uh, at DCAU Review on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Don't forget, also, if you would like to support the podcast, you can check out our podcast shop. Go to DCAUReview.com. Click on the shop link at the top. That will take you to our shop site. Pick up a shirt, a hat, something. Uh, We don't do advertisements on our podcasts. Uh, So if you're looking to support us, that is one way that you can do that. Uh, Liam, of course, uh, we do typically reveal on our social media that the, as we just mentioned here, specifically on Twitter, what episodes that we'll be covering in the upcoming weeks. So obviously we are here for the rest of the month of December. We are staying with Static Shock. So what are we covering on next week's episode? Yeah, so we'll be jumping ahead a little bit into season two, and that is because may not feel like it, but it is in fact the holiday season around here. And we've got some, some cool holiday themed stuff coming up. And on the last Saturday before Christmas, we will be tackling the episode frozen out from season two. Awesome. Uh, yeah. One of the few holiday episodes we've yet to cover. Uh, don't forget if you are in the holiday spirit, you can go back in the archives at dcaereview.com and check out our prior reviews of episodes like Christmas with the Joker uh, or Comfort and Joy, which was uh, Liam an all-time favorite for yours. Uh, speaking oh, yeah. of speaking of Christmas with the Joker, uh, we announced this week on Twitter that we are trying something new. We'll be releasing a bonus episode this week, Liam. Our very first attempt at a what they call a watch along. Uh, so, uh, what we'll be doing is recording an episode, uh, instead of the standard sort of review that we've been doing, we'll be doing sort of a running commentary, a mystery science 3000, uh, style episode, uh, where we sort of watch it and give you the opportunity to fire up your DC universe app at home or fire up your Blu-rays or DVDs or whatever you have and watch along with us as we, 
watch the Christmas classic once again, Christmas with the Joker. Excited to, to do that with you. Yeah, absolutely. We covered that one all the way back in the second episode of this show ever. So, um, and though I have watched it uh, every Christmas that's passed since, uh, I uh, have not sort of put on the analytical cap, which uh, and it won't, it won't like, like you said, it's not going to be a, uh, the the typical uh, structure of our of our normal reviews, but it'll be fun to uh, to revisit it for the show in a in a new format. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Hope uh, hope people tune in for it. Yeah, we're excited to do that. Uh, don't forget though, check us out next week. We'll be back here with Static. But until then, I'm Cal and I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye bye.